listen, this is a great church. You ought to thank God every day. God, thank you for my, for my church, for my pastors. Thank you that you planted me there. You should do that with your family and your marriage and your children. Sometimes, you know, because, you, you know, life happens. Need I say more? Life happens. Monday happens. Hallelujah. So I'm going to be in Colorado tomorrow just in case those teenagers get started. No, I'm kidding. But sometimes life happens and you got to remind yourself, I love my children. I love my marriage. I love my house. I, I love the United States. I love Tennessee. I, lo I love California. I love Dallas. Some, sometimes you got to remind yourself, I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm not talking about my marriage. Please don't tell Gina. I, I don't mean, I'm only talking about, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm just going to preach my sermon. Let her come next month and be like, my God, Pastor Tony says sometimes he's got to remind himself. And she'll be like, no, that's me. I got to remind myself that I love him. I'm teasing. But just, but be thankful because that happens with church too, you know. Sometimes you get spoiled on the blessing. Or sometimes you just get caught in the routine and you got to, you got to shake yourself out of that and say, wait, I'm in a good church. Not everybody has what you have. And so thank God for it. Amen. All right, that's not my sermon. That was my hello but uh, I want to go to the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and I'm going to preach a sermon that I want to title today, and in the sound booth, if you forgive me, if you just lower this just a little bit, because I, I normally put it a lot closer to my, I don't want to get too loud, glory to God. Hebrews 12 and verse 1, <clears throat> and for context, I'm going to read from the King James Version but any version that you have will do. And uh, if you would, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? That's just an old-fashioned habit that I have, but um, it's a way to show honor to the word of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and uh, the title of my message today is, I See a Cloud, and it'll all make sense here in just a few moments. I see a cloud. Hebrews 12, 1. Maybe we'll read verse 2 as well. We'll see. Hallelujah. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So just verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I want to preach that subject. I see a cloud. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house, to worship and bless your holy name. I ask that you would use me today for your glory, that you would speak to me and speak through me for the edification of the body. And I ask that you touch our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, our minds to discern what thus saith the word of the Lord, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. When my kids were young, and when I was young, one of the things that, uh, well, more, more when I was young, I, I want to I clarify that, because this was more when I was young. And I tried doing it with my kids, and they looked at me like I was weird. When, when I was young, we used to have to go outside. We used to uh, sometimes, like, our parents, like, would obligate us to go play outside. You know, they'd be like, get out of the house. Well, 
When should I come back? Just when the lights turn off. You know, you, know, you remember those? It's just the way it was. And so sometimes in the summer especially, I remember my mom would, my brother and I, she'd be like, just go. Go to the park. Other kids will show up eventually. Just go out. So we're out there. We don't have devices. We don't have cell phones or, you know, anything like that. And so, like, you, you would make friends with everybody at the park and, you know, we were, you know, we had this weird thing called imagination. And one of the things we used to do back in those days is look up at the clouds and people would ask you, what does that cloud look like to you? And everybody would look up and, man, that one looks like a bunny. That one looks like a teddy bear. No one ever looked up and said, I see the devil. I see the four horsemen of the book of Revelation. I know, you know, everything was always cute and fluffy and, and sweet and, you know, I, this, it's one of these memories that I have. And I remember one day being out with my kids and I, you know, it just, it was one of those days where the sky's blue and you see the fluffy clouds out there. And I, I asked my kid, I said, what does that look like to you? He goes, a cloud. I'm like, but what does it really look like? He's like, dad, this is weird. It, it just, it looks like a cloud, but, <laughs> but even though he didn't see the bunny or the the teddy bear or, or Charmin toilet paper up there. Even though all he saw was a cloud, there is something to be said that from a distance, clouds just look beautiful. They're just, it's nice looking. You ask a kid to, to draw a picture, you know, of a, of, a, you know, of a house, whatever, they'll draw the grass and the tree, and then they'll draw those beautiful clouds up there in the sky, and they just look fluffy and sweet and, and wonderful. But as someone that spends more time, it feels like sometimes more time in the air than on the ground, let me tell you something. There's nothing cute about the inside of a cloud. There's nothing nice about the inside of a cloud. You see a fluffy teddy bear from the, from the ground. But when you're flying through clouds in the sky, that's a storm. That's rain. That's turbulence. There's wind. There is nothing cute about the inside of a cloud. And this sermon is partially inspired by my flight to California yesterday that was delayed over three hours because of clouds in the sky in Tennessee and Georgia. I left my house at five in the morning to get to the airport in Tennessee, and I mean, we were having the thunderstorm of all thunderstorms. I haven't seen a thunderstorm like that in the five years that I've lived in Tennessee. It knocked out all the power in our town, and I was driving down a pitch black road towards the airport wondering, I'm like, why am I even doing this? There's not going to be power when I get there, and I get to the airport, and at least there was enough electricity at the airport, and we get on the runway, and I mean, it just, it looked like, it just looked like a horror movie. It's like you knew better than to get in the airplane, but there I am, because I want corn, I mean, I want revival, and so there I am in the plane, <laughs> and we're on the runway, and the pilot comes on, and he says, Ladies and gentlemen, there's a ground stop. We're going to be here an hour. And I'm like, oh, what's so? And so we're going to finally take off. And they said, ladies and gentlemen, the good news and bad news is the good news is the thunderstorm is no longer in Tennessee. The bad news is the thunderstorm is now in Georgia. And we're on our way to Atlanta to make a connection. So now we have another hour ground stop. And so we finally take off. And I'm telling you, we were bumping the whole way. You... You want to get spiritual? Fly through a storm. Everybody gets religious on the airplane. Everybody. I'm telling you, 
everybody, people are speaking in tongues, people have rosary beads, prayer mats, I mean, Bibles come out, and no, it's amazing. I could have a great revival one day on an airplane. One day I'm just going to turn around, and there's a, there's a preacher, a pastor from Michigan. His name is Dave Martin. He's a great, great leadership coach and does a lot with John Maxwell, and he also pastors a church. He said he got on an airplane and uh, sat down, and he said there was an old, older lady sitting next to him, and she was all nervous. She said, oh, Oh, son, she said, this is my first time on an airplane. Are you an expert? And he said, well, ma'am, I do fly a lot. She said, oh, I'm so thankful I'm sitting by you. What do you do, son? And he said, well, ma'am, I'm, I'm a preacher. Oh, thank God the Lord put me by a preacher just in case something happens. And Pastor Dave said that they took off and they were flying. He said, and all of a sudden that plane just started bumping. It just got... It got full of turbulence, and he said, and sure enough, that little old lady reached over and grabbed my hand and said, oh, preacher, please do something religious. He said, so I stood up, and I took my hat off. I said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to receive tithes and offering right now on this airplane. <laughs> this sermon is inspired by a storm. We were flying through those clouds, and that plane was bumping and shaking and if you're not used to flying on the plane you it will terrify you I've been flying you know pretty much on a full-time basis for over 20 years and so it doesn't it doesn't do the same to me but a, a preacher told me years ago he told me what to do in a storm he said look to the cockpit look to the front of the plane and see what the flight attendants and the pilots are doing he said, if they're still serving coffee and peanuts, or if you fly Spirit, if they're not, if they're playing Candy Crush on the, if, if they're not, if they're calm, you be calm. But if you see the flight attendants praying, if you see the flight attendant down and just, oh God, then you better get religious too. <laughs> if the pilot comes on and hear beep, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if there's a pastor or a bishop on board, would you please push your call button? Then you need to get nervous. But if there's peace in the cockpit, then there can be peace in the rest of the airplane. The reason I'm preaching this is because there's a few of you that came to church today that you're living through a storm. But I see a cloud. But see, when you're living in the middle of it, you don't see a cloud. You just see a storm. But I see a cloud. I see victory. I see the blessing. I see what can be. You can't see that in the middle. You say, preacher, you're just, you're just preaching. Well, yes, I am just preaching. But I'm preaching about what I've lived through and even what I saw yesterday. Because we were bumping. And I mean, that plane's shaking and we're bumping. But when we broke through the clouds, I mean, all we had to do was break through and go higher and out of nowhere, you know what we saw? The sun. I mean, that sun was shining so brightly, you just had to keep flying through the cloud. And I'm telling someone, I'm prophesying to someone today that's living through a storm. You don't give up in the storm. You keep flying. You just keep going because on the other side of the cloud... You're going to see the S-O-N, son. You're going to see God. You're going to see the blessing. You're going to see the glory. I know you see a storm, but I see a cloud. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hebrews 11 is called 
the, the chapter of faith. It's like the hall of fame of the Bible. And all the, all the superstars of the Bible are there. Abraham and Moses and Noah, Gideon, Barak's in there. Even the president made it. I don't know how he made it, but he was in there back in those days. All these names are in the book of, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, Isaac. And it talks about what they did by faith. And they subdued kingdoms. And they're blessed. And they have wealth. And, and, and it's this wonderful chapter that's referenced as the chapter of faith. But when you keep reading the chapter and you read about what they lived through, because this is a cloud of blessing, but it's not just that they subdued kingdoms and they had money and they, they had greatness and God spoke and they did miracles. The, the more you read through chapter 11, it says, but they were tortured and they, there was lions that chased them and, and they were weak and, and, you start reading, I don't, I don't want to depress anybody, that's why I'm kind of scared, I, I decided to just kind of paraphrase and not read it, but when you read that, it's a storm. Hebrews 12 and 11 says, we're encompassed with such a great cloud of witnesses, because from a distance, Father Abraham, who had many sons, and I'm one of them, and so are you, let's all praise the Lord, left arm, but from a distance, he's a Sunday school song, from a distance, He's a cloud. But if you could have been in the room with Abraham when he had to apologize to Sarah about lying, about her not being his wife, if you could have been in the room when David was struggling with the sin with Bathsheba, if you could have been there when Solomon, the wisest man in the world, took on 700 wives, if you could have been there when Samson, who had the greatest strength ever given to a man, was struggling with his covenant, if you would have been there, you wouldn't have seen a cloud. You would have just seen a storm. But God has a way of taking a storm and turning it into a beautiful cloud. And I'm telling someone today that feels like their marriage is in a storm, that their money is in a storm, that their own walk with God is in a storm, don't give up now. You just keep walking with God. You just keep flying with God because sooner than later, this storm is going to be a cloud of a testimony that God is faithful, that God is good, and God blesses his people. Hallelujah. But you can't give up. In the storm, storms impair, it heightens your emotions. It impairs your vision. Um, when I'm driving and there's a storm or a lot of traffic, I need silence. And so like my kids know, like if they're blaring the music, if we're in a storm, I'm like, shh, turn it off, I can't see. Because all my emotions are heightened. Be careful in a storm. Be careful in a fight, an argument, a weak moment, a vulnerable moment. Be careful in those moments of making permanent decisions in the middle of a storm. You have to push through, press through, break through. When, I, I'm telling you, I, if, if you've never been on an airplane or you don't fly often, I, I, I wish I could tell you get on an airplane for $5 just to, so I could prove it to you. But I'd tell you next time there's a storm, fly. And just see what it's like. I'm telling you, it'll terrify you for about 10 minutes. But when you break through, it's amazing. How all of a sudden, there's smooth sailing. How you could go from a moment of 
the, the pilot saying, the flight attendants are going to stay seated. We're not serving anything. Everyone put your seatbelt on to, hey, we're turning that light off, and you can go about and start moving around the cabin if you want. It's interesting. It's almost like there's a lesson there for someone today. In a storm, stand still. And then, when we break through, now, now you can move comfortably around the cabin. Now, now that you're not going to be uh, led by uh, a gust of wind that, because when that wind comes, that pilot, all he's doing is holding that plane steady. I didn't realize I wasn't preaching as much about airplanes today. All he's doing is holding that thing steady. If a gust of wind comes and, you know, tips the, the plane a little bit to the left, if he overreacts and sends us to the right, guess what? We're going to go because it, it, it's, just, it's just a momentary thing. You just got to hold firm. I really feel in the Holy Ghost that I'm preaching to someone today that you need to hold firm. Don't make a rash decision. Don't, don't go exaggerated another way. Just hold, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And the further you get away, and this is what I mean by this. Let a year go by from that storm. Let 10 years go by from that storm. Let three months go by from that storm. And you're going to look back at that storm and see the cloud. I can look back at things I've lived through, like my father's death, my first wife's passing uh, seven years ago. I can look. They were, listen, they were storms when I was living through it. But Seven, eight years down the road, I can look down, I can look back and see the cloud that was a storm. I can see how God protected my children. I can see how God blessed my children. I can see, I can, I can see something else. And your children and your grandchildren really need you to survive this storm that you're living through. Let me explain this. Your children and your grandchildren really need you to make it. You say, well, I don't have kids. I don't have grandchildren, so what does that have to do with me? But you will one day, and they're going to need stories of how God made a way where there was no way. They're going to need to know that he's not just the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he's the God of Bill and Bob and Joe and Charlie and Susie and Maria and Jose and Tony. And, and what he's got, they need to know God through your family. He cannot just be the God of Old Testament characters. He has to be the present God. He's not just the God of yesterday. He's the God of yesterday, today, and forever. And we're made overcomers by the blood and the words of our testimony. That storm is going to turn into a testimony of a cloud. I'm wrapping up, and I'm so excited. I heard we got people to water baptize today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11 and 12 is proof positive that you can make it through any storm. Anything that you're living through, these people in Hebrews 11 lived through the same thing, but they made it. And it encourages me because it lets me know that we're not alone. I think one of the enemy's greatest uh, weapons against us is making us feel like we're anomalies that you're the only one going through that problem. You're the only one that struggles with that secret sin. 
You're the only one that has those thoughts. You're the only one that gets mad at your, your spouse and wants to walk out and never come back again or better yet, lock the door and never let them back in again. You, you're the only one whose kids are, need I say more? And, and, and the enemy will have a way of making us feel like we're isolated issues. But you need to know that you're encompassed by a great cloud of witnesses. That means there's a lot of people that have been where you are and have gone through what you're going through. But God took a storm and turned it into something beautiful for him. Abel was killed. Noah was ridiculed. Abraham, former pagan, lied about being married. Moses was a murderer. You could go on and on. But now we look back and we say, these are the heroes of the faith because God made something beautiful out of their life. Hallelujah. that's living through the storm of sickness I see a cloud of healing to the one living through the storm of despair I see a cloud of victory to the one that's living through a storm uh, of, of insecure, financial insecurity I see a cloud of blessing I hear the raven's wings I see the blessing of the Lord I see a cloud I see a cloud of the glory of God coming your way. Would you stand with me for just a moment? I heard that there's two so far that are getting water baptized today and possibly more. But I want to, I just want to pray over you. I know we have our next services at a 1030-ish. Flying to Denver today, starting services tonight. Please be praying for me because I got to get back up in the clouds. Uh, immediately following the noon service, I'm going to the airport. We start tonight, Monday night, Tuesday night with Pastor Tim Bagwell, and we're just believing for a mighty, mighty Holy Ghost revival there in Denver. So be praying for me for these three nights. But there's two. Uh, who, who are the two that are getting baptized? Oh, I see you over there. God bless you. God bless you. I want to pray over everyone corporately. Why don't we go ahead and the two, the two that are getting baptized, whatever you need to do to start preparing them for baptism would be fine. And by the way, if you're here today and you didn't make plans, but you just decided, you know what? I want to get baptized too. That's great because there's enough water for like, let me see. I could baptize 35 people in that water right there. So if you've never been baptized or you got baptized a long time ago and it didn't stick, that water's ready for you. I know of two, but is there someone else today that says, Preacher, I feel, I feel God calling me to the waters of baptism. If that's you, wave your hand at me. If there's any, Oh, there's another one. There's number three. God bless you. Hallelujah. Is there someone else? God, I love revival. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, thank you for letting me, let me see the move of God, the greatest move of God that humankind has ever. Thank you for letting me be alive for 2023.
the days that the prophet Joel spoke of when he said in the last day saith God I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh hallelujah hallelujah so there's three that are getting ready for baptism I want to pray a corporate prayer of blessing over you and then we're going to celebrate as they're being baptized I want to ask you to pray for one more thing for me before I see you again I was uh, just a few weeks ago I went to Brownsville Assemblies of God and um, most of you would know that in the 90s God sent a mighty mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost to Brownsville five million people came to that revival over the course of several years and just a few weeks ago Pastor Evan Horton invited me we did an event there called Flashpoint several Hank Kuhneman and other preachers were there and the glory of God hit that house if you saw the pictures or the video it looked like the Brownsville of the 90s I mean people laid out all over the place and we prophesied that the second wave that that old well of revival has sprung forth again in Brownsville so I'm going to Brownsville April the 21st for a miracle healing crusade and so I want to do two things I want to ask you to please be praying three things pray for that service pray for me that the Lord would use me to bring glory to his name and three if you want to prove this sermon true, I would love for you to get on a plane and fly to Pensacola April the 21st and join me. And as long as you get back for Sunday, Pastor Charlie doesn't care, okay? So just get to Pensacola Friday and then fly back Saturday. But we are believing for a mighty move of God. So those three things, be praying for the service, pray for me. And then if you'll join me, I would just let me know you're coming and I'll have special seating for you. But we're believing that the second wave of revival has begun in Brownsville. Amen. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for these clouds. I thank you for these clouds of blessing, these clouds of victory, these clouds of abundance, these clouds of prosperity, these clouds of healing, these clouds of peace and joy and victory. And I thank you that they're going to have endurance to run the race, that they're going to press through they're going to break through to the other side and they're going to see the salvation of the Lord, the healing of the Lord, the, the, the victory of the Lord on the other side. And I thank you in advance, Lord, that you're giving us testimonies. You're giving us stories of your glory so that our children and our grandchildren would have a point of reference for why they walk in blessing and why they walk in peace and prosperity. They'll have a story of a cloud that used to be a storm. And I say the work is done in Jesus' name. And everybody said, hallelujah. You could be seated for just a moment. And... Uh...